0: guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody,
1: I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. It's the start of the month, and it's time for some more Shooting the Flames. For those of you who have never listened to one of these episodes before, it is where Chris and I get to sit down and just sort of have a conversation about horror news, trailers that are coming up, movies that we've watched, and more importantly, comments and questions, reviews from listeners. And this month has been a doozy for
0: Everything horror. So that's really right. Excited. I know. Chris, did you have a good Pride Month? Yeah. I felt like we did some really good episodes with Cruising and uh, Stranger by the Lake. And of course that makes me think about, you know, everything LGBT and what that means, right. uh, you know, so I, I feel like we've done a lot of reminiscing.
1: Well, here in Dallas too, I mean, we're pretty lucky because we have like two prides, you mm-hmm. know, we have a, a summer pride in June and this year was pretty big for Dallas. I didn't get to make it cause I had to, to work but we, al- we also have one in the fall when it's cooler. And that's the one I like to go to. You yeah. Know? So um, we celebrate our pride here by talking about LGBT horror. And we'll do our actual pride celebration in the fall in Dallas. So, yeah. But we always like to start out with listener comments. And we've had quite a few from our episodes from back in May and into June, starting with Sunshine, which we put out in May. And Erica from the Customers Also Watch podcast said, Great episode. I love this movie and your discussion of it. So thank you, Erica. Um, Just speaking personally, I loved this movie. It was the first time that I had watched it, you know, for our podcast recording. And there were some other comments that people had made about our discussion in the movie itself. And it seems like a lot of people really enjoy this movie and I was kind of surprised
0: by that. Really? Actually. Did you hear from a lot of people on social media that had watched it for the first time and gave it a chance?
1: No, actually everybody who had said anything on social media had seen it many times before and just loved it. And I think they liked the fact that people were actually talking about the movie, mm-hmm. which is good. And I think that a lot of people should go and see this movie. Um, you know, I have friends and family who listen to this podcast and my cousin had never seen it. She listened to the episode and she was so intrigued that she went and, like, re- recorded the movie on her DVR to watch. And she also loved it. So she said the cast was stacked and just, like, loved it. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of love for Sunshine.
0: Yeah, totally. I love that movie. It's really so, well cast. It's extremely well made. I mean, there's a lot to talk about in that movie. Which we did. Just a reminder, uh, Robert is the uh, social media guru of the film Flamers. Mm. He's the one. I'm I'm kind of a lurker.
1: <laughs> in the shadows. <laughs>
0: Because uh, I'm stuck in my cave editing and basically putting our episodes together while he's communicating with the masses. So uh, generally, if you reach out to us on social media, you'll be talking with Robert. That's right. And so when I say things like, it's the
1: first time I've seen this movie, that is me talking and not Chris, you know. so
0: <laughs> Sometimes he'll use the royal we. <laughs> our next group of comments are from our top 10 sci-fi horror episode. The first one being from at RL Terry. I really love the faculty too, but I got to disagree with Aliens. In my opinion, it is not a horror sci-fi. It took the franchise from horror with Alien to action adventure. The OG is a true horror masterpiece. So I disagree, but I get what you're saying completely, right? Because it obviously is much more of an action. However, I would say that Alien is the better film versus Aliens is the better movie. And I feel like that's a really concise way to put Alien versus Aliens. Right?
1: I have the biggest smile on my face right now because that is the best way to put that, really. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, like Alien is a great film. And when you want to enjoy and just like go and get lost in something, I mean, like Aliens is the better choice. And I also have to agree with Chris
0: and say that... I think that Aliens is a horror movie. I mean, when you get down to it... Oh, there's body horror. Yes! There's There's a lot of tension in that film. I think the umbrella of horror and umbrella of horror sci-fi is large enough to have this in its scope.
1: At the end of the day, there is a giant alien that is killing people, right? Yeah. And that is scary, you know? And that's that's horror. And when you talk about tension, are you talking about the kind of tension that mostly comes at night? Mostly. I mean, (laughs) I couldn't help
0: myself. (laughs) No, but we totally get what you're saying, Raltaria. So I don't really disagree with you, but we do and we don't. So it's just more complicated. That's not black and white.
1: There could be a huge discussion about, you know, whether things are horror or horror adjacent. And here at the Film Flamers, we like to cast a very large net when it comes to horror and horror adjacency. I think that we can watch movies that most people consider a drama and we would call it a horror film. And, you know, and Aliens just fits neatly underneath that net. Mm hmm. Uh, Lachlan from Facebook says, great episode. Love that Cronenberg got some airtime. My addition would be Existence, which admittedly is more body horror, horror adjacent than Scanners or *Video Drum*. Great cast and a wild ride. Uh, Lachlan, like I told you on Facebook comment, I have never seen Existence. It's mm. like the one Cronenberg movie I've never seen and I not do not know why. I just have got to go watch it. Yeah. I think when the when it came out, I was working in a video store. I had it at my disposal, you know, since it was released. I've just never watched the movie. Chris, have you seen Existence? No. We just need to sit down and have a Cronenberg weekend and you will vomit many times, but you will come out a much better person. No, I love Cronenberg.
0: I've seen several. But I mean at the same time, you know, there are movies that I've seen that you haven't. So That's sometimes true. we get to trade. Obviously, I haven't seen as many classics and I need to.
1: And maybe we will sit down and watch existence and like it so much that we have a full deep dive episode on it. So, Lachlan, thank you. I know that you have recommended movies to us on Facebook um, before. Jack Frost, I think he said to watch for like holiday horror. So keep those recommendations coming, man.
0: So our next comment is from Jay. Hey, Jay. Uh, She says, love this. Just finished listening and I just realized how much I love the sci-fi horror subgenre. Also, were you guys not fans of the fourth kind? I do like The Fourth Kind. Um, it I was... haven't seen it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, um, it's good. It's shot in this weird like, documentary kind of style. And it's got Mila Jojovich in it, which I always
0: love. Wait, that's The Fourth Kind? Yeah. With the owl? I don't know. She was in an alien movie, like, uh, kind of a documentary style. It was a reenactment. Mm-hmm. There are owls outside the window. is actually called The Fourth Kind. Is that what it's called? Yeah, there's a movie called The Fourth Kind, I think. Yeah, okay, but seriously, I, have to I know okay. we can look this up before we do that.
2: Seen
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have seen it. I'd like to rewatch it because I remember being creeped out. And it's not like the overt like horror or sci-fi moments because they do do something weird with the owls in that movie. My sister made me watch that film and uh, watched it and those owls creeped me out. It was good.
1: I mean, I remember lots of like, um, there's a lot of hip- hypnotherapy in that movie, right? Where people are they're being recorded and yes. having, yeah, like uh-huh. regression. Mila Jovovich is, yeah. is the therapist
0: that's doing that. Yeah,
1: and it's, I mean, it, that alone is creepy. So, I mean, it was it was a good movie. I have not seen it since it first came
0: out. So, I I, I also they need definitely to had creepy done. They had a they had a good atmosphere and a good pacing. I would say, yeah, there were some moments where I was just like, oh, you know, but. Overall, it was it was good.
1: We have to throw one thing in for this particular moment. Uh, Jay, who is a, a, a listener to our show, she comments and asks questions all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was recently on Cocktail Party Massacre, doing her thing, talking about the movie Insidious. And she, I mean, no, I don't want to give any spoilers because, you know, it's a, it's a game show type of podcast, but she held her own and did a very good job. And I was super proud to hear her on that podcast. And, I mean, kudos. So. She
0: also has her own YouTube channel called J Eats Food.
1: So That's right. So check that out. She mm-hmm. does mukbangs. I mean, I, I love the concept of that. So, I mean, she's, she's a great, great fan of horror. And everyone go check her out and listen to that episode of Cocktail Party Masker. Sweet. Uh, The next set of comments come from our Shooting the Flames episode in June. And Adagnation Striga on Twitter says, one correction, George Romero's collection went to the University of Pittsburgh, not UPenn. So if you come here to Pennsylvania, you will have to go to my alma mater. And I need to thank her for this comment. And I did on social media because you're never – truly a podcast until someone comes on and says you've gotten something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, like calls it. you out on it. So we have our own little like corrections thing. Yep. So thank you for pointing out our mistake. And I mean, like I think that we had the actual article in front of us while we were talking about it too. So we have no reason to like even have gotten things wrong, but I really appreciate that you would tell us because I want to go to this thing. And so um, I think I, I, thanked her on social media and she said you know whenever you come we have a
0: tour guide yeah so hey we're coming our next comment comes from that savage underscore jc from instagram and uh they say i was having a meh kind of day and when you introduced me to the movie rock paper scissors i could not stop laughing thank you you're welcome. And that's probably all you need to see is that trailer. <laughs> For real. I
1: mean, if you're having a bad day, just go watch that trailer. It's going to remind you that things are not so heavy and <laughs> and they could possibly get worse. <laughs> so uh, we have not seen that movie yet. You know, it hasn't come out at the time of this recording. So uh, we had a similar reaction to that trailer. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I'm glad that you also found it amusing. Yep. Uh, lastly, we have a comment from our episode on Stranger by the Lake, which came out at the start of June. And at Matthew T. McHenry says, this might be your best episode to date.
0: Thank you. Because, uh, see, we were actually kind of worried that because the movie is so straightforward and kind of dry, there's no real comedic tone to it, that the episode was like almost too dry. Yeah, itself. So, uh, I was a little worried about that, but we got a lot of good feedback. So thank you for saying that,
1: you know, and I was thinking, I mean, I listened back to that episode after it was released and I think this is, I mean, it's kind of one of the first instances where I think one of us liked the movie a lot more than the other one did and I wasn't quite sure how that was going to translate into a podcast.
0: Well, it was a good conversation.
1: I mean, obviously. Certainly. Yeah. And we, I mean, I think that it brought up a lot of like ideas and questions about not only, you know, it's horror adjacency, but also like, you know, gays in cinema and gays in horror. Yeah. And um, I mean, we we really appreciate that comment. I mean, it's like the highest praise. So thank you so much for saying that.
0: Yeah. We've also got some questions from our listeners, and the first one is, again, from Ignatius Stryga, and says, what is your favorite interpretation of werewolves in film? That's a really
1: good question. I... I'm not the biggest fan of werewolves. I Me mean, either. Yeah. I mean, I I really enjoy a monster movie. And I also enjoy the inner turmoil that comes from being a werewolf, right? Some sort of like duality. But um, when I watch these movies, I'm usually not that impressed. I will have to say that my
0: favorite werewolf movie ever is an American werewolf in, in London. Yeah. It's like, are you talking about a transformation scene or like a good representation of what werewolves are capable of yeah. or like scare factor or what? Like I really liked the first underworld movie for werewolves. And I also liked kind of like vampire werewolf hybrid in underworld. Yeah. And then uh, I love American werewolf for the transformation scene. Uh, Wolf was really good uh, as far as like werewolves in general. With, like, David Spader and Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer back in the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah.
1: Lord, that was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like The Howling. I think that The Howling is sort of, like, classic. I mean, it's just, it's just really good Joe Dante. But – when I think about werewolf movies, I, I always go back to the early 80s, like The Howling or American Woman from London. You know, it's just like it's like classic werewolf. Um, I also like uh, Ginger Snaps quite
0: a bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely.
1: So, I mean, like we can s- debate the answer to this question like all day long. My favorite would be London, probably. You know, but if you have some favorites that we didn't mention, just reach out to us and tell us. I mean, we're willing to watch anything and, you know, have a dis- have a discussion about it. hmm. Our next question comes from at RL Terry one, uh, on Twitter. And he says, what do you think of the trend of lifelike animation in cinema? And why do you think there isn't much in the way of animated horror movies? So let's take the first part of that question first, Chris. what do you think about quote unquote lifelike animation in cinema?
0: If you're talking about the mocap trend with like avatar, well, that was almost 10 years ago and more lately, like Alita battle angel, I really dig it if it's done right. Uh, if it doesn't have the Uncanny Valley effect, and so far anything James Cameron has done has not had that. I like a lot of that. I I haven't seen much of anything else. The other two that I've saw were like Beowulf and you know like Polar Express, but they had really really bad Uncanny Valley where it just kind of creeps you out because it's like not quite human. Yeah. Um, so James Cameron, uh, Robert Rodriguez—they they're making their lifelike animations slightly different than human, just so that they can avoid that. But we're also getting to a place where it's invisible, right? So if you watch the movie Logan, right, with uh, Hugh Jackman, is the you know X-Men kind of spin-off movie where it got really, really, really good reviews, and it's said as to be the the best X-Men film ever. If it's even an X-Men movie, uh, I have still haven't seen it. I haven't um, seen it either. Yeah. But it's supposed to be incredibly, incredibly good. But there's scenes that instead of a stunt double or in uh, covering up the stunt double for Hugh Jackman is a completely CGI rendered version of him and no one caught it. And it's wow. invisible effects like that, that make all the difference as far as knowing what we're capable of and everything else. So um, I'm, I'm all for it as far as the technology and if it makes sense um, from an aesthetic or storytelling point of view, as far as um, horror in uh, animation, I think we've gotten – we started to get more of that. Uh, the Death Love Robots, I guess, that just came out on mm-hmm. Netflix had a lot of horror. Tons it. of horror in that. And it was really, really, really good. And I think David Fincher is even behind that as well. That's right. Um, and, of course, we're covering his film Seven. But uh, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with uh, horror animation and uh, – I I, I know there isn't much in the way of it, like you said, but uh, I would definitely check that out. And there's another season that's already been uh, approved for that. So definitely check out uh, Love Death Robots if you have a chance. It was picked
1: out. And there's a lot of different kinds of animation in that show. I mean, some of it was very, you know, quote-unquote lifelike, and some of it was more, like, hand-drawn. And isn't there going to be a Gremlins animated, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of animated horror. I mean, if you look at things like—and it's a lot of it is geared toward children, and rightfully so. It's animation. So you have things like Hotel Transylvania or Monster House, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, like, there's, there's tons of examples, I think— I mean, maybe your question is more geared toward why isn't there more adult animation in horror? And, I mean... I think the answer to that question is that, I mean, maybe adults just don't like animation that much. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself because I know that Chris just talked a lot about different movies that he has seen and whatnot. And I am just not the biggest fan of animated films. Well,
0: even I'll see like trailers for Pixar movies and I'll see them like years later or maybe I'll begrudgingly go to a theater and I always love them. Yeah. So it's just that that knee jerk in me that just doesn't want to go see an animated film. But I almost always enjoy them, so I just need to get over it.
1: Well, I mean, and if I had to choose, I mean, I do I, – I like Pixar movies. You know, when I actually sit down and watch them, they always, always make me cry, you know, and I feel something. And I, I laugh and I come out liking the movie. But if I had to choose between the two styles, you know, like computer-generated animation or something more hand-drawn, like classic Disney, you know, I would always choose the hand-drawn – I mean, every t- every time, I I would rather my my animated movies, you know, quote unquote cartoons or whatever, look like a cartoon, you yeah. know, and I I will find myself enjoying that particular movie a lot more. I'm not saying that like Pixar movies, like Wall-E or Toy Story, are any better than things like you know Beauty and the Beast or Little Mermaid, Lion King, things like that, you know. But I mean, I tend to like those older ones. Better. I I like to see that kind of art, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, it really it just comes to a subjective standpoint about which one may you like to look at more. Essentially,
0: that's one reason I really like uh, Love, Death, and Robots is because every single episode is different animation.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I did not want to watch that show at all. And Chris. You know, sat me and my husband down and we went through almost all of the episodes and they were so good, you know? So, I mean, he's right. Begrudgingly or not, sit down and watch some animated movies, especially animated horror. It may
0: surprise you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Our next question comes from Friday the 13th and they're asking, what sin do you think you break the most often? And, of course, they're referring to seven, right? The seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. for our next episode. That's right. Let's see if we can count them down. Wrath. Envy. Sloth. (laughs) Wrath, envy, sloth. Gluttony. Gluttony. Um,
1: I wish you'd be better at this. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. Gluttony, greed, sloth, pride, lust, wrath, envy. I did it!
0: (laughs) Yeah, so out of pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloth, what is yours? Oh god, so many. Um... I break almost all of these regularly. I would have to say probably gluttony, I guess. I was going to say mine might have been sloth. Really?
1: You don't really seem that like lethargic or anything. I don't you know,
0: well, that's the way, the nature of sin as far as I think. like I don't want to get too far deep into this, but like, I know it's a whole religion like... <laughs> is concerned, but it's not so much about what we're doing as judged from the outside as maybe more like a modern point of view, but what we feel the most guilty about as far as what we feel like our own problems are. OK, so like what my judgment of you would be is probably not gluttony. Right. For me, I would judge myself as sloth. Because you don't? I just feel like I'm lazy sometimes. Okay. But I guess what's interesting is like one of the things my boyfriend tells me is that he wishes he was more like me as far as like less like lazy natured. But I feel like I'm lazy nature, too. So like, I don't know. It's just people's perspective. You know, I wouldn't think of him as is like lazy. So I wouldn't think of one of y'all as lazy.
1: I mean, I would think of myself as more as lazy. But I know. I mean, if I if I I have to pick gluttony because I mean, like
0: I, I'm guilty of all of these, honestly, for like, real. But I know I mean, mean, like laugh I laugh so much.
1: Like I like to I like to eat. I like to I like to drink beer and other alcoholic beverages, and I consider gluttony to be more of an addiction sort of sin, and right? God damn
0: it! It was just Pride Month too, so Pride. Know, oh my God,
1: <laughs> we didn't pick that one.
0: <laughs> I don't know; it's a hard question. Sorry, I mean, Frye we didn't step into it just as you have planned.
1: Unfortunately, the only sin I don't get to break that often is lust. I'm sorry. I know that's a lie too, but I mean, I so. think the answer to the question is all of them, really. Except for, nope, I've never mean, say so that too. All of them, every single one. <laughs> Wrath? No, I mean, like, I don't get really angry at people, and I certainly wouldn't act on it, really. So that's probably the only one yeah, that I don't me do. Too, like, I'm certainly envious of people, you know. I certainly have my sloth, lazy moments. I'm certainly gluttonous, you know. I mean, I'm lustful. I mean, everyone's got Pornhub on their phone or whatever. I mean, but I don't know. Wrath's the one. I mean, I'm just not. I'm a lover, not a
0: fighter. Yeah, guess, I'm not so. too envious either. I don't know what normal is. I don't know. I just not, don't find myself in that state very often. But we could talk about this all day long. I know. It's a whole, each other's it's a whole but, separate
1: podcast. Yeah. However, we want to hear from you guys, especially you guys at Friday the 13th. Tell us what sin you think you commit the most, yeah. right? And other listeners, come on and tell us. We're going to be covering seven this month. So after you listen to that episode and give a really good look at, you know, your own personal sinning just tell us which one you break the most or maybe which one you like to break so we have a new patron this month and her name is mary mm-hmm. mary thank you so much for joining our community over on patreon and we hope that you're enjoying everything that we have over there right now um if you guys would like to join mary and the others just head over to patreon.com slash the film we have tons of bonus content every month and more coming soon
0: this just in. The release date for A Quiet Place 2 has been moved up. It's less than a year away now and is slated for a March 2020 release. That seems really soon. Although I guess in like horror timelines, sometimes sequels come out like super really quickly afterward. Right? I don't care. I just want them to take their time. And I want John Krasinski to come back as director, which he is. Yes. So you know what? It's going to be good. And one of your favorite actors is going to be in it as well. Who's that? Uh, Sunshine lead. What was his name? Oh, Killian, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. <laughs> Mr. Longface himself.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, I'll still yeah. watch it. Okay. We have talked about the Alien shorts that were released as the celebration of the 40th anniversary of Alien. And we have talked about, you know, on different Shooting the Flames episodes about how they were, like, in- released individually. Well, now they are all released on YouTube in one convenient playlist. And we are going to link to that in our show notes. Along with all the other links to our news items. That's right. Um, I have to confess, you know,
0: I have not watched any of these shorts yet. <laughs> so. You always said you were going to watch them when they were they were all out at once. So. I know.
1: And you made it so easy for me by sending me the link and I still haven't watched it yet. I swear to God, I'm gonna.
0: Well, check our show notes after I release the
1: episode. <laughs> Um, Continuing with that theme, Ridley Scott is planning on releasing a third Alien prequel film titled Alien Awakening.
0: Despite lackluster returns on Alien Covenant and the declining interest in this franchise from his perspective, I think, from the prequel uh, point of view, I think there's a declining interest out there. I mean, I'll see it. It's a good director. It's a good story. I just want him to bring it home because the last two, I've just been like, come on, man, just do it. I was just about to ask, did you not like them? I didn't really like them. No, I
1: did. I thought they were good. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know. I'm making an impossible you know, task for him, which is to make a movie as good as alien or even aliens, you know, maybe it's just by love either make a franchise. film. That's as good as alien or a movie as good as aliens <laughs> or, or else. And he's not doing either.
1: <laughs> so. I mean, I, None of the movies are ever going to be as good as Alien or Aliens in my book. I mean, like, it's, it's just never going to happen, you know? Mm. I mean, those those two are, like, shining examples. However, I, I like this franchise quite a bit. And, I mean, I like the characters. And I like those two prequels that came out. I thought they were good. I mean, like, yeah. overly cerebral, I guess, in places. But...
0: Well, and even, like, just the first one, they just went over the cerebral stuff really fast. Like, one thing I really liked about Alien, and even some shots in Aliens, they really take their time with shots to place you in an environment. Yeah. And they just didn't do that in uh, Covenant or even Prometheus. They just kind of show these epic shots for two seconds and then you're moved on. And he's not taking his time as a filmmaker uh, anymore. Everything is just kind of attached to the story or attached to the characters. And it just doesn't doesn't work as far as like the epic grandeur of those films in a way. So
1: would you rather see a continuation of the story – post like Alien
0: Resurrection or would you, I mean, aside from pre No, I love a story about this stuff but he's really dragging it out he's not bringing any of it home, he's not making it super interesting, yeah. he's not answering any questions, he's only bringing up new ones and that's super annoying because he's like bringing a whole like lost or you know, J.J. Abrams <laughs> way of doing this to it and it's like, come on man remember your roots, so. For real okay. I don't know. The next item we have on our news is that a Chucky TV series is launching on Sci-Fi Channel in twenty. And of course, Chucky is to be voiced instead of by Mark Hamill in the movie. He is going to be voiced by the longtime Chucky voice actor, Brad Dourif.
1: I think this piece of news should be exciting for a lot of horror fans. I think there's a huge divide right now. Um, especially when it comes to child's play about yeah. like, you know, the original versus the remake. And I mean, there's, there's lots of different discussions going on and, you know, it, it may come down to whether or not you like or appreciate remakes in general and maybe not just this particular franchise, you know? So I don't know. I mean, like
0: I, I do want to see the new one, I have seen it and I didn't include it on our Flamers Favorites in a later section in this episode. Um, But they're trying to do a new take on it, like an Internet of Things era modernizing kind of concept. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like a walking Amazon Alexa or something. And so it kind of gets messy and it's just they might've been done better with using that script, but not making it Chucky. I don't know. So I'm really looking forward to the TV series to kind of bring Chucky home, kind of bring him back the way he was and tell new stories with that versus what we're doing here with this new movie, which I thought was just okay.
1: And, I mean, I, I get that. I understand, like, bringing things home and keeping things, like, in line with an original franchise. However, I think there has to be a time where you have to say enough is enough, right? I mean, like, unless you can go in really, really interesting directions, there's no sense in telling that story anymore. Yeah,
0: and, I, you know, after Bride of Chucky, it's like, who cares? But at the same time, I... would What I'm trying to say, I guess, is I'd rather a TV series be based off of the original Chucky and that kind of uh, possession y kind of, you know, horcruxy kind of uh, situation (laughs) versus the situation where he's basically just, you know, an AI doll, you know?
1: So if we're talking about remakes, and I saw something recently on social media where someone created a poll on Twitter and they asked, when it comes to horror remakes, where do you fit? Like, A, I don't like them at all. B. I love them. I'm cautiously optimistic. Or I mean, I don't know what the fourth option was. Why do we
0: always have to categorize stuff like that? It's like you, you judge things on a case by case basis because I agree. some remakes are fucking amazing, amazing, and yes. some are just shitty. There's sometimes there's strings of stuff that make you want to categorize. Sometimes there's just strings of films, film remakes that just suck, you know. But there's some that just you know shock the crap out of us. Like I some thought some Pet Remix Cemetery that? was better than it deserved to be. Yeah. You know, I thought. Um, well, I think it was better than people gave it credit for, for sure. The fucking thing remake, you know, even though it was nineteen eighty two was amazing. It was better than the original, yeah, in my opinion. Uh, you know, there's a lot of remakes that are just amazing. So I'm just always so flabbergasted when I see people say, like,
1: Oh, no, you can never remake this movie. Why are you doing this? I mean, like, everyone has to remember that the original is not going anywhere. I mean, if you really, really enjoy yeah. that movie and it's a part of your life or something that you and enjoy, I do that. like I the Poltergeist
0: it. remake, I refuse to see it because yeah. the first one is so important to me yeah. and is in my top 10, possibly my top, three or even my number one at times because that's always nebulous. But you and it's have to changing.
1: remember that it's not going anywhere. Exactly. Okay. You but you can, you I don't want to line.
0: think about the remake mm-hmm. while I'm watching the first one. And so if it's not getting like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like an impossible, you know, pedestal to try and get it to, to, to be placed on. But, you know, I'm not going to watch it.
1: I will go out on the line and say that I will watch every remake that comes out. I will watch them. I will, I mean, I, I will do my best to not compare the two movies, you know, and I mean, I really Realize that
0: they are separate, you know, well, let's, let's face it. Also like Chucky TV series could be surprising. Think of TV series that are also remakes of movies like Westworld, right? Oh my God. You're right. Westworld is a great show. Yes. Right? Well, it's so also a well well really good movie. Very I mean. more, yeah. But yeah, but it's, you could argue that it had a lot of new things to say. It did. Right. And in and a lot of cool ways to do it visually. Right. And like some remakes, I think it is better than the original. So, so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they do Chucky. They could do it like the the new Critters, you know. Not Which sucked. Or they could do it like Westworld. Who knows? Uh, obviously, Yay. Chucky's not Westworld material, but who knows? I mean, I like Chucky. I'll probably watch every
1: iteration that comes out involving him or whatnot. So, I mean, I'm going to watch that show. And I hope that everyone can sort of just like... I don't know, join hands and just come together as a community and say, at least we're making new horror, right? And speaking
0: of tired franchises, Swamp Thing is officially
1: canceled. <laughs> I haven't even watched an episode yet. Fuck me!
0: <laughs> Isn't it on some streaming service? Uh, yeah, it's on DC's streaming service. And it was what was canceled.
2: destined to fail? <laughs> oh <my God.
0: laughs> well, it's just funny because I, what I heard was there's been several articles about this and different things like oh, there was a tax situation where they were promised you know tax rebate by the state and then they didn't get that because of like a paper issue, bureaucracy issue, no. and so. So half their budget was like wiped out and like well we can't make this show anymore and then another thing is well actually like the showrunner and then like the studio like one wanted more of a pr- procedural and the other one wanted more of a straight horror TV show and they could not agree and so there was just like a bunch of all of that going on I think it's probably all of the above yeah. and you just can't make a show like that it's not on steady ground I have seen some
1: posts on social media of people who really are enjoying this show
0: and I think that they were sad that it was you
1: know being cancelled and yeah
0: it's obviously not a tie Franchise, but I just couldn't help myself after talking about Chucky. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, I really enjoy the original Swamp Thing movies, and I mean, I, I should probably watch this. I'm probably not gonna subscribe to the DC. Well, then you won't see it, I know, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Swamp Thing, you know what? Just make a movie, okay, <laughs> and,
0: and put it on Netflix. I know, please.
2: Coming soon.
0: There were
1: lots of trailers that came out from, like, the end of May and into June. I mean, so, so much. This was really, like, a really good time for horror and mm-hmm. upcoming horror. And so we've picked out some trailers that we want to talk about now. Uh, the first one is a movie called In Fabric, and it is from the production company H 24 which Always has been great. Yeah. knocking it out of the park when it comes to horror. Yeah, like, they're also really. doing a...
0: Summer. Midsummer? Midsummer.
1: Yes. <laughs> I mean, so A24 has done things like Hereditary. And I mean, like, they are just like really on top Didn't of their world. Didn't they do The Witch? They did The Witch. Yeah. Yeah. So um, In Fabric is a movie about a woman who is starting a new chapter in her life. And she is taken by a dress that she sees in a window. And she goes in to purchase it. But the dress itself seems to be perhaps a little cursed. Mm-hmm. And some really strange antics follow after her purchase
0: yeah and it's being compared at least in its own advertising and marketing as like argento and david lynch yeah yeah so high praise so we've got to see it and it looks crazy like
1: just beyond weird it
0: does look batshit so and i am totally there for that plus i mean like the premise i can definitely see the lynch premise yeah kind of like in the vibe and then I, i can definitely see the argento styling on well, this. And conversely, too, I
1: can see a lot of Lynch styling, too, at least just in the trailer. I mean, some of the shots, the one-off shots they show in Rapid Succession just seem very Lynchian to me, very bl- Blue Velvet, you know? And it's just like it seems like a crazy movie that I've got to watch. Plus, I mean, like, those English accents in that trailer just sell it for me, too. It makes it <laughs> seem like a really classy movie, you know? Are you an Anglophile? No, I'm not. I'm a Francophile.
0: <laughs> Erica? <laughs> All right, the next trailer we've got is Dark Crystal Age of Resistance on Netflix coming in August. Now, this is very horror adjacent, but I had to include it here because I grew up with a Dark Crystal and it's one of those 80s dark movies that we got to enjoy as kids. That Amen. Just- don't come out anymore and it's just uh i watched this trailer and it's just so good and just so like the movie and the vibe and the voices and the look and the feel all of it's there and they, and it looks like they did it right and i'm so excited for this so we've linked all these trailers in the show notes so please check this one out if you grew up with dark crystal you won't be disappointed
1: yeah i really enjoyed that movie when i was a kid i watched it so so many times and it really was a, a, a formative part of my my horror life because it's it's a creepy, really dark show. I mean, yeah. geared toward children. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that. It's a prequel, yes? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, we've talked on this podcast uh, – at least on the shooting the flames about scary stories to tell in the dark, which is coming out this August. Um, we've also talked about how much I like the books and watching the documentary and how I was disappointed with that. But we finally got a full trailer for this movie that was released toward the end of May. And, um, previously we had only had like snippets that they showed during the Super Bowl and whatnot. And, um, I don't know. I wasn't too happy with the, full trailer
0: I don't yeah we talked about a little we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and my perspective is like I grew up with goosebumps Arl Stein Christopher Pike all that stuff but you have to remember that these were really made for those that age group like uh, probably a little older obviously than the goosebumps crowd um, was a demographic for scary stories to tell in the dark especially yeah. with those illustrations and everything but who knows uh, if I would have easily gotten my hands on it and I, I probably could have and I probably rifled through it at least once because I do remember some of those illustrations mm-hmm. but it looks like they're doing exactly what they need to do a slightly more grown-up version of like the goosebumps movie right so it's exactly- Exactly, what it kind of uh, needs to be based on what it was when we were children. And um, I, I really don't fault it for that. If they really wanted to do like more of a grown-up version, that's not what it would be. You know, that's not really what it would have been in the books because they're very simplistic, short story horror stories. You know, based around these illustrations and stuff. And as long as Guillermo del Toro, you know, takes that creature design seriously and matches it to those books and everything else, that's the best you can do. Uh, and, I, and based on what I can see, it's a really great creature design. So I'm I'm looking forward to it regardless.
1: I don't know why I was so shocked when I saw it, because I know that, I mean, these books were geared toward children, and clearly so should the movie. And I have to step back and remember that I'm an adult – looking back on things that scared me as a child yeah. and then wanting to project that into something more adult now mm-hmm. you know
0: and um, and we're actually going to talk about a little bit of this phenomenon in our episode on seven because our memories of some of these movies are more horrific or stories or books yeah than they actually are now uh, looking at them in a through our modern lens right so it's kind of interesting that you brought that up
1: and I need to also remember too I mean like del toro is a fantastic film producer and director in his own right and he knows how to make a movie and the director of this movie is a good horror director he's also he's going to be directing one of my favorite stephen king short stories or short novels The long what and i mean like there's a lot of cred behind this and i need to just not be so fucking i, I don't even know the word incredulous sure yeah i mean i just need to just like it, you know, know what it is going into it and not not put not any expectations on it, you know? I know that they actively tried to get a PG-13 rating because they wanted it to be more of a family, you know, horror movie, quote-unquote. And that's fine, too, because we, we also talk about, like, gateway horror on this podcast quite a bit. And there are movies that, you know, were sort of geared toward families that I saw that really affected me as a child and grew my love of horror, things like Gremlins. And why should I stop... Children in this day and
0: age of seeing movies,
1: you know, that could help them. Along well, the way. yeah,
0: and it might be helpful just to try and get in that mental space of you as a kid, you know, under your sheets with a flashlight, reading scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, try and find that little piece of you that might survive your your adulthood, and just That's like true. watch that film through those that lens, and you might enjoy it more. That's true. It's very true. The next film that we have a trailer for is called Lady World, and it's on uh, video on demand in August, and it looks pretty promising. It's kind of like a... It looks really fucked up. From my understanding, (laughs) it's like these girls were having a slumber party, and the apocalypse happens outside. So the house is locked down. They have to stay in. There's no adults. And it basically is like a female version of Lord of the Flies inside of this house. And it looks super interesting, and it looks like they got some good directing and acting going on. So I'm really, really intrigued, and... Yet again, that link is going to be in the show notes. So check it out. That's right. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing this one. It looks crazy.
1: It reminds me quite a bit of a movie that I watched this year called Braid, which is very like female centric horror. And I have to applaud this trailer and some of the movies that are coming out because it seems like we are getting some really good female led horror over the last couple of years. I mean, like aside from just being a normal like final girl or scream queen, I think we're getting some really good stories involving women and horror and it's just fantastic. And this one looks like a ball to the wall, crazy watch. Mm -hmm. I know it played at TIFF and some people have seen it already. So, uh, We're looking forward to it, and we'll bring you more of our thoughts later on. Definitely. Uh, Next up, and I think what was kind of surprising for everybody, we knew it was coming, but we didn't know how good or bad it was going to be, is the trailer for Dr. Sleep, directed by Mike Flanagan, which is coming out in uh, November, the first part of November. Uh, Dr. Sleep is the sequel to The Shining, which was written by Stephen King. Um, It was a sequel to his novel. I think he went out of the way to – you know, not include anything that Kubrick may have done in his movie. And some of the most shocking scenes from this trailer happen to involve Kubrick's vision of the shining.
0: Yeah, and I asked you about that before we started recording and you said that I actually went out and got his blessing to actually yeah. kind of in- include because I feel like it's that's out of his hands now. Really? Uh, because the pop culture or the cultural phenomenon of The Shining is inseparable from Kubrick's vision.
1: I at, mean, let's face it. Point. I
0: think more people have seen The Shining than have read The, the Shining, Shining. Yeah. you know, and that I mean,
1: this is America. So, I mean, th-
0: th- then you read the book anyway, you're going to see Jack Nicholson. You're going to yeah. see. Yeah.
1: I mean, and so I mean, like, even though I love the novel so much and I mean, I have a love hate relationship with the original Shining. Um But when I reread the novel, I still see Kubrick's images in my head when I read it. So, um, I know the article that I read about getting Stephen King's blessing, I think that Mike Flanagan said that he had to literally like get him to come to his side for it. Oh yeah. And so I think that, I think that even King at this point has to realize that Kubrick's shining is, you know, in pop culture. I mean, um, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One had that whole segment with The Shining in it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just its just a part of our lives. It's a part of horror life. Yep. And you cannot have a sequel, especially a direct sequel to the novel, without you know paying some sort of homage to Kubrick. Otherwise, people... You can't. They'll be confused. Yeah. They would have no idea what's going on, you yeah. know? And, you, I mean, it's, you know, as far as movies go. And I, I like that trailer quite a bit because all those shots that look Kubrick-y, right, are redone, you know? I mean, none of it is oh, taken I, from his I memory. thought it was taken. No. All
0: of it is reshot. Mike Flanagan reshot all of it. Well, that's funny because the one of the best things I liked about Ready Player One was the whole section that takes place, spoiler alert, in, you know, the hotel. You right. Know, and it shows a lot of those scenes and a lot of it was remade. Some of it was redone, you know, but they're walking through this hotel and it's just looks like they're in the film because technically right. in the movie, they are supposed to be in the film. But, uh, that was one of my favorite parts and that they're re- redoing that kind of as like, I didn't know if it was just included in the trailer so that people would be able to reference it and know what this was, or if that was actually going to be in the scene. Obviously, if you're saying they recreated them, then Mm -hmm. it's going to be in the movie. He
1: created those shots and I think, I mean, a lot of it has to do with flashbacks, right? Because, I mean, you really have to read this this novel to understand. Um, I read Doctor Sleep when it first came out and I thought there would never be a movie version of this because it seemed unfilmable to me. Mm -hmm. Not only because it seemed so unreferential to Kubrick's version the Shining, but also because it took it in a weird direction, an even more supernatural direction, if you could say that about The Shining, yeah. you know? So, I mean, I just didn't think that it was going to be made ever. And it, it really seems like a really... Well-made movie, and I shouldn't have doubted that anyway. From Mike Flanagan. Well, so. I love Mike
0: Flanagan. A lot of people don't for some reason. Um, I loved Oculus. I loved The Haunting of Hill House. Yes, like, I love all of his stuff that I've seen. And if anyone can do it, it's him. And he got you and McGregor. So you know what? Amen. You know More what? More power to him. I mean, it looks it looks fantastic.
1: And I will say, the very last part of that trailer, if you guys haven't seen it. Go to the show notes and watch the trailer. But they have some of the original music from The Shining, the original Shining, Kubrick Shining. And when they played that and they were like slowly putting the letters up of the title, I got such a fucking boner. I swear to God. <laughs> Horror boner. I was just like, oh, my God, it looks so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. So, And I'm even more excited for our next trailer. Chris, what is it? Ready or Not, coming out in August. Oh, my fucking god
0: <laughs> it just looks so like obviously it's a dark horror comedy yes but it just looks so good it's very reminiscent to me almost of clue
1: yes i this is exactly what i thought i was like this is clue this is like an amped up horror clue I mean, it seemed to me like this trailer just came out of nowhere. I know. I I had no idea they were making this movie, and it was such a surprise in a really good way. Yes. Like, I am looking forward to this movie quite a bit. Me too. I think that for sure, we'll at least do a hot take, but something tells me that this might be one that we deep dive into at some point. Sure. I mean, yeah, it looks funny and amazing, and I'm here for it.
2: Recommendations.
1: June was a really good month for horror, I think, especially when it comes to, like, streaming and for releases. Like, we got definitely so many releases, like, back to back to back to back. In, like, the late summer, early, late spring, early summer season. And we've watched quite a bit of things. And now is our time to talk about what we've seen and how we feel about it.
0: So I finally saw Sleepaway Camp. Oh my God. Tell me everything. How did you love it? It was so bad.
1: What? That's bullshit, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not the best, but it's. It was so bad.
0: It was good. Yay. I'm so glad to hear you say that. It kind of knew it, too. Like, it was a little messy as far as, like, did it know itself, you know, like, what it was trying to be. And I feel like in places it did. And I was pleased. I was pleased with that film. I liked it a lot. I'll see it again. I'll show it to other people. Yes. I I saw the twist coming from a mile away. Possibly because I spoiled myself for our I top ten. I was gonna 10, say. I think did you did you know the twist? I I think I knew she was the killer from the spoiler, but I also knew that everyone was talking about the twist, so I think I would have seen that anyway. What I didn't get was the whole. Um, uh, actually, that's not true. Like this whole s- spoiler, sex change thing—not mm-hmm. sex change, but like she was always a man, right? Thing, but I. <sighs> I have weird thoughts on that. We could do a whole hot take or deep dive into Sleepaway Camp. I think we should at some point. I like love how Sleepaway Camp. gay positive that actually is or not. Eee. Because I feel like it's not. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I'm, right. I'm with you yeah, I feel
0: like it's problematic. I think when without, people put that into, like, you know, gay positive
1: or even LGBT horror, it's kind of reaching, sort of.
0: They so. really kind of, like, problematize gender identity not being inside the norm. So I feel like that has a discussion there. But it's still a really enjoyable film, so... I'm so glad that you watched it
1: finally. I wish I was there for that viewing actually. (laughs) And the sequels are good too. They're really fun. I mean,
0: like it's, it's good tongue in cheek horror. And And she comes back too. the actress. What's
1: her name? Oh my God. I don't know. She was just at Frightmare too.
0: Yeah. She, she, yeah, she comes back in some of the later sequels. So she's so pretty. I love her. Um, I watched a movie that we had talked about way back. We Uh, saw that stupid Christmas movie and we jumped in our chairs when we saw the trailer for... The
1: Prodigy. Exactly. You're right, yeah. And in the apocalypse, that was the movie that we watched. It was terrible. The best thing we took from that movie was this trailer and we never went to see it in the theater and... I finally rented it on Amazon and sat down and watched the entire thing. And I have to say, it's pretty meh. meh? Did yeah. You, did you jump in that scene, though, that was in the trailer? I did. I did. Okay. I mean, I I totally forgot what happened in that trailer. And that one particular <laughs> scene, I was like, fuck. <laughs> you know? I mean, this movie is, I mean, it's decent. I don't want to, like... I don't want to shit all over it, but I kind of want to shit all over it. So we'll just talk about it for a minute. I mean, the the prodigy itself is about a woman who is trying to have a baby, and she, she finally does. And her child sort of is growing up with these you know, very surpassed intellectual capacities. is a very smart child. Yeah. And um, she starts to think that maybe there's something a little bit more sinister going on with it. And this movie is moody as fuck. I mean, like, there's tons of atmosphere, and that's, I mean great in horror and it sort of reeled me in it wasn't until much later on in the movie when you start to realize what it's actually about and you know here's a little spoiler alert if you haven't seen the prodigy um it starts to deal with a lot of like reincarnation huh and that's like just not really my game so um the kid in this movie is creepy and i think uh the the portrayal of um Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black was pretty good. I think she was she did a good job in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the ending is very, very bleak. I'm not going to spoil it for people from that point. Um, it's worth it just to watch the ending and to see what you think about it. Because I did not see that coming. And I was actually kind of shocked. So it's it's a meh movie. Really good ending. Lots of atmosphere. So,
0: I mean, horror fans would probably enjoy it. Okay. The next one I watched, I caught on Netflix, and that is a film called I Am Mother. And I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. It's uh, it's more of a definitely a sci-fi film before it is a horror film. I would almost classify it as a sci-fi thriller. And it has basically just three actresses, only two of which you see on screen, Hilary Swank and the younger actress, I don't know her name, but she was excellent. Yes. And of course, the amazing Rose Byrne, horror cred, mm-hmm. right? As the voice of the mother robot, right? And there's a lot of like uh, humanity, nature of humanity kind of questions and thoughts. Um, there's a the themes of trust uh, definitely in this film. Yeah. Um, you know, does the juice worth the squeeze? You have to break a few omelets before you make, you know, or break a few <laughs> eggs before you make an omelet, type of situation. Um, there's, a, it's just really, really interesting and intriguing, and kind of tense as you go through the film. And I really, really enjoyed it. I know that you didn't enjoy it as much. I know that you loved the first hour and a half. I did, um, but you know, I, I kind of. To me, it's not a perfect movie, but I have no complaints. Like, I, I don't know what I would change about this film. So, it's there on Netflix. Check out I Am Mother at the very least. Check out the trailer because the trailer is really good. Yeah, it's a perfect um, trailer. For Netflix, for not having to pay anything outside of my Netflix uh, subscription, this was an excellent movie.
1: And, you know, and I have some things to say about this movie. I think that um, I think it would behoove us to really take some time and talk about it, its themes, and definitely its production and acting. So, guys, I mean, maybe stay tuned this month. We might end up talking about I Am Mother a little bit more later on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a couple movies in June, well, late May, early June, that completely changed everything I thought about horror in twenty nineteen. Um I watched two movies that sort of topped each other. Going into Ooh, these months, huh. I I mean like really going into these months, I had my favorite horror movie of the year so far and that was uh Piercing. I liked it quite a bit and it stayed my favorite so far up until now. Meh. I know. I know how you feel about it. Um I watched a movie called The Perfection which is also on Netflix. And it was so fucking good. And like the most batshit crazy way. I mean, like there were so many twists in this movie. You had no idea what was going on until, I mean, you just had to keep watching it. There was no way to know or even anticipate what was happening. There were some good LGBT themes in this movie. And I think a lot of people have like given it some shit about that, saying it's not an LGBT movie. I disagree. Um, But, I mean, it's hard to even classify this film. I mean, is it a revenge movie? Is it something else? I don't know. It's crazy. It's just so great and totally worth a watch. All the performances were fantastic. Steven Weber from Wings fame is in this movie in a way that you have never seen him before. And it was just shocking, entertaining, thought-provoking, and wonderful. Okay. I loved it quite a bit. Um, What's the other one? I also watched a movie right after this. It it was released on Amazon to rent. um, And I subsequently bought the DVD halfway through watching my rental of it. It's on Shutter now. Okay. Yeah. It's called Knife Plus Heart. And it's a French film. And I think everyone knows from our discussion on stranger by the lake, how much I love French horror anyway. So maybe it's just a little bias. I also love giallo and this is a perfect giallo movie. It's also squarely LGBT Mm. in a really unapologetic way. They've created this just like world where it's okay to be gay. And the movie itself is about a woman who directs and produces gay porn Interesting. In Paris,
0: 1979.
1: Oh. And she's trying to win back her lover, who is the editor of her films. And she does this by making her like Opus, her Opus gay porn movie, right? Dealing with um, someone who's like killing people off, right? And – Mirrored in real life, the people in this movie, some of these actors, are being killed off one by one by this really, like, strange giallo-esque killer. And, I mean, it's just, like, terrifying, beautiful, just amazing. And in true giallo fashion, there's an amazing soundtrack by M83, like the the French band. Oh, really? Yes! It's so good. I'm telling you, I know you would love this
0: movie. I didn't press it on you when I, I first watched it. I love movie 83 and I love the, the score that he did for that one Tom Cruise sci-fi horror movie. I mean, this movie is so
1: good and I, I really encourage everyone to go watch it, whether or not you enjoy like gay horror or if you enjoy Giallo films, I think this is just a really good movie and it even surpassed the perfection. And so, I mean, like if 2019 continues in this path, I'm just going to like every movie I see more and more but currently knife plus heart for me is the best horror movie i've seen this year so far definitely gonna see it it's so good you should know that i brought it with me oh
0: okay (laughs) there you go just in case okay well the other movie that i watched and this time in the theater was brightburn and from here i'll just transition straight into my flaming red oh this
2: makes me so mad So
0: Brightburn got a Rotten Tomatoes score of 56% with an audience score of around 70%. I thought it deserved quite a bit higher than that, especially in light of like the Chucky reviews that just came out they're like a 79 or 80% or something like that. Yeah, Like Brightburn to me is a much much better slasher, and it's an unapologetic, straight slasher film. But I think people were really kind of expecting something else. Looking back, the trailer had kind of like a Rorschach quality to it, where people kind of saw what they wanted it to have. I think horror fans saw horror while other people saw like a dark, possibly cerebral drama or morality tale based on like the Superman mythos. Um, I think this might have been purposeful to bring in a wider audience, but I doubt it, knowing that, like, James Gunn was behind it and stuff. Mm-hmm. I personally expected, like, a straight horror film, and it didn't occur to me to expect anything else, personally. Even based on the positive reviews, the film, I think, is a victim of, like, the horror ghetto concept, right? Where people are like, oh... Uh, when things devolve into horror, right? One of the reviews I read said the acting is frankly better than it has to be for a horror film and the overall idea is clever. Oh my God. I like, can't believe someone actually <laughs> that said was that. was actually a positive review too. Based on the negative reviews, my takeaway is that it seems like most people really wanted to explore the Superman mythology and even possibly get some kind of like anti-hero theme or like redemption arc out of this. Like, it was never the intent of this film to do that, nor did I ever even, like, expect that. That's all been done before, in my opinion, right? You know, like, it's been done several times, like, this anti-hero kind of thing. But, in my opinion, uh, a reverse Superman, especially, like, in puberty, would be nothing but a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, And eventually a full-on disaster movie. The name of the kid is Brandon Breyer, right? What does it sound like to you? It's an alliterative echo of names like Michael Myers.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah,
0: this film goes balls-to-the-wall slasher horror, and I feel like many of these people felt betrayed and disappointed as non-fans of popcorn horror that it was popcorn horror. And I loved that about this film. I was so unapologetic about it. knew what it wanted to be, and I thought it was really, really good. It's fine not to like this movie, but don't shit on it because it turned out to be a straight-up unapologetic horror film. Well, and I think that – I mean, that, that could be said about many, many movies. I think oftentimes
1: we – even you and I have had conversations about movies, and I'm, I'm really bad about this, that if I just really dislike something, I will – tend to shit all over it in conversation or whatever um, I haven't seen Brightburn yet and I really really wanted to I, I'm kind of sad because by the time I got time to go actually watch it in the theater the showtimes were gone it seemed like it played for a week and then my choices were like 9 in the morning or 11 o'clock at night with neither which are good for me you know
0: well I, I still think that the reviews and its popularity waned so quickly because they tried to get into this wider audience they tried to tap into the superhero audience who's not necessarily horror fans and so they tried to attract all these non-horror fans that were expecting a non-horror really movie like maybe a dark Superman or something and that's not what the trailer to me advertised Uh, definitely more of a horror and there's some hardcore gore in this film and that's what I've heard and that's why I'm so
1: intrigued to see this because after you watched it and you told me like how like crazy some of those like kill scenes where I was like oh my god I have to see this movie now and I never got the chance and I think that I mean we talk about reviews on this podcast podcast quite a bit and sometimes they can hinder or, you know or even elevate we talked about um, Captain Marvel's reviews or even like trolls online and yeah. things like that and people need to just like stop maybe.
0: well and they were if you're not expecting a horror movie you're not really you don't think of yourself as a horror fan you think you buy into the quote-unquote horror ghetto concept where anything gets horror it's not elevated it's not deserving of like the title of being a film even it's just like a B movie automatically just because it's horror whatever you've got your issues we can work through them later yeah but um, I think those people were kind of shocked to see this level of horror, and it didn't really subvert their expectations in a, in a way that they were comfortable with. Yeah. And I think that they were taken outside of their comfort zone and didn't like that. And I think that's what this backlash was. And I feel like if they really went hardcore for the horror demographic and the marketing – that would have gone better for the film.
1: I think so too. I mean, cause I know this movie did not, did not make a lot of
0: money. I mean, and it was made for almost nothing. Like it was so whatever it made at least, I, I mean, I the don't... effects that were in this film and it also people don't like downer endings and that's highly contentious anyway, Even inside the horror community. Right. And just like the movie we're about to cover seven spoiler alert, Brightburn yeah. has a bad guy wins ending. So,
1: well, I mean, and like, I like haven't that. seen the movie, but there's no way, there's no other way that movie could have ended. I mean, I mean, just knowing what it's about, there's no way that a kid with these kind of superpowers is going to be destroyed by normal people, right? I mean, so what are you expecting? Yeah. And when I watch these trailers for Brightburn, I, could
0: see a horror movie in there i mean it's straight up there's a whole scene that was released with you know him going after like the lady in the diner or yes whatever, with her eyes out and mm-hmm. you know, b- breaks through he's wearing a mask there's symbols everywhere it's all it was a straight up horror trailer but i think when people just see the superman mythos they're like oh that's just dark that's just that's just the conflict he'll come around it's his redemption arc or something it's like no Bitches, this is a slasher movie.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, coming from somebody who I've said before suffers from superhero fatigue, right? I was really excited about this movie, not because it seemed, you know, I mean, it seemed superhero-esque, but it seemed like something I can get behind. Mm-hmm. And also I think that an untapped part of the superhero genre is the villain. No one ever talks about the villain or where exactly. they came from. And I, th- I thought that this was going to be a really good jumping off Point for a really good villain story multiple movies throughout his life right yeah. and unfortunately if it doesn't make any money or people didn't receive it or
0: you know the way it was intended or whatnot
1: it's just not going to happen probably
0: well something I'm not going to spoil is how he really becomes this thing yeah that he becomes um, that's a, basically a killing machine because that would that definitely goes into more I mean, you kind of know that he's going to win right that's not really a spoiler you know not that there's something he's trying to win um, other than just, you know, be himself and survive and whatever else. But there's a whole aspect to why he is the way he is that I thought was fairly clever and works. So and there's a whole discussion there because it's a little bit ambiguous, I suppose. But I wouldn't mind actually doing a deep dive on Brightburn at some point.
1: I think I mean, I really want to see it. And I'm I'm so sad that I, I could not. By the time that I got to go to the movies to see anything after it was released. I mean, like I said, it would have been replaced by Everything.
0: Yeah, you know, and and everyone knows, all of our listeners know. If there's anything we thrive on here at the Film Flamers, it's ambiguity. <laughs> <laughs> we just
1: maybe love it. Well, I am more intrigued now based on that rant, so I'm going to have to go see this movie as soon as possible. I mean, hopefully, it'll be on VOD soon, and I'll get a chance to do it. Yeah, but I mean. I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater and I will probably forever be unhappy about that.
0: One last thing I wanted to bring up before we close out is the amazing season that Bear McCreary is having as a film composer. He has done the the score for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Mm -hmm. and he also did the score for the newest Chucky movie, which was my favorite part of the movie was his score. Bear McCreary, if you're not familiar, he did... Walking Dead, and he also did before that Battlestar Galactica, which I love both of those oh my God. pieces of uh, music. He did an amazing job with the new Godzilla themes. And uh, a really good job with Child's Play and even teamed up with Mark Hamill to do some interesting little nursery rhyme uh, songs in there. So tell us what you think about it, because I'm going to play it at the end of our episode. This is going to be the theme from Child's Play by Barry McCreary. So check it out after the episode. That's right. I liked the snippets that
1: I've heard of it. I really enjoyed the Godzilla score quite a bit. In fact, I mean, like Chris listened to it and he sent me a message and he was like this is really good and the first track that I played was that uh, cover from uh, Blue Oyster Cult right (laughs) the Godzilla cover and I was like oh this is terrible but even on subsequent listens of, of that I really enjoyed that cover even more too oh, really? that soundtrack okay. is
0: good I, I liked it I skip
1: that track oh I my god at the end of Godzilla I just loved that that cover it really brought it home for me and Bear McCreary is so good Battlestar Galactica's music was good from like start to finish I listen to it all the time and I'm not the biggest fan of film scores and I like that mm-hmm. so I mean guys listen to this after the episode and tell us what you think I hope y'all enjoy it yep Well, I think that just about wraps everything up for this month's episode of Shooting the Flames. As always, we really appreciate all of your comments and listener questions. We look forward to talking about them and starting a discussion with you guys, both here on the episode and on social media and answering all of your questions. Uh, We also appreciate any reviews you give us, either on Apple Podcasts, even on Facebook. If you can give us a review, leave it. We're going to read it on this episode every
0: month so please feel free to do that and let your voice be heard call our hotline and let us know what you think about us ask us a question with your own voice call us at 972-666-7733 if you're a little shy and don't want to do that go
1: straight to social media find us at the Film Flamers on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and I think that's all the social media outlets, right? I mean, if you make a new
0: one, we'll be on there and if you're antisocial, just email us
1: That's right, at TiredQueens at FilmFlamers.com I am tired. We have talked a lot about the amazing horror that we've gotten in May and June. We look forward to talking to you guys again in August, but until then... Sweet dreams. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play?
2: (laughs) (laughs) You feel lonely and you start to cry I am always by your side We are best buddies until the end More than just buddies, we are best friends Don't ever leave me, please don't say goodbye I'll be yours till the day that you die.